0: going to relax tonight, not a chance, (laughs) no way, this is Jesus on fire, all week long, the rant goes on, our king, he's here, lighting hearts on fire, (laughs) no sleeping tonight, What do we say, a little Jesus? Yes. All right, patriots, we are here in Fishers of Men, and I'm fired up if you can't tell. I'm going to tell you, I went through a weekend of pain, literal pain. I was talking about my sciatica, blah, 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 blah. God took me right through that fire, and it finally came down to a simple thing. I just put myself before him. I said, Father, I can't do this without you, but if you want me on my knees in pain, fine. Fine. I'll take it. Whatever you've got for me, I'll take because I'm going to light the fire of Jesus and I'm going to sit before you and do it, even if I have to do it on my knees and move my mic on the floor. I don't care. And he says, Good. I just needed to know that. And so here I am, right here. All right, Patriots. We are on fire tonight. And I'm going to talk to you tonight with an old sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. It was written by Reverend Jonathan Edwards and preached at Enfield on July 8th of 1741. It's going to be an interesting one. Before we get going, though, like always, got to give an acknowledgement to those people that make this thing possible. Great people, great people like My Patriot Supply. Patriots, do you feel like the world is being held together with duct tape and bailing wire? It sure seems like it. Every day, we're thrown new distractions by the fake news to pull us from the reality we're all about to face. Between the government trying to print their way out of debt, global military conflicts, and a looming food shortage, preparedness is no longer a choice. It's a necessity. In times like these, you can trust My Patriot Supply. Their three month emergency food kit comes packed with tasty, and I mean tasty, meals with over 2,000 calories per day. And right now, you'll automatically get $200 in free survival gear with each kit you order. These products will save the day when crisis comes, and it's coming soon self-reliance is our only option go to mypatriotsupply.com and get $200 worth of free survival essentials with your three-month emergency food kit everything is in stock and ready to go with free shipping too go to mypatriotsupply.com before the next disaster strikes mypatriotsupply.com patriots as i have said food security is the foundation for personal sovereignty check it out today Check them out. There's exactly what you need in this time when these crazy fools that are running this satanic empire are doing everything they can to take control of our world and ultimately try to make us bow to them as they try to suck up every supply they can and force us to eat their bugs and comply to their ways. And not going to happen. All right, Patriots. So tonight we're going to be doing Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. By Reverend Jonathan Edwards, a sermon preached at Enfield, July 8th, 1771. And it's at a time of great awakenings and intended with remarkable impressions on many of the hearers. And so it begins with Deuteronomy 3235. To me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time. For the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them make haste. In the verse, this is, in the verse is threatened the vengeance of God on the wicked, unbelieving Israelites, who were God's visible people and who lived under the means of grace, but who, notwithstanding all God's wonderful works towards them, remained void of counsel, having no understanding in them under all the cultivations of heaven they brought forth bitter and poisonous fruit as in the two verses next preceding the text the expression i have chosen for their te- for my text their foot shall slide in due time seems to imply the following things relating to the punishment and destruction to which these wicked israelites were exposed one that they were always exposed to destruction as one of the, that stands or walks in slippery places is always exposed to fall. This is implied in the manner of their destruction coming upon them, being represented by their foot sliding. The same is expressed, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castedest them down into destruction. That's Psalm seventy-three eighteen. It implies that they were always exposed to sudden, unexpected destruction, as he that walks in slippery places in every moment liable to fall, he cannot foresee one moment whether he shall stand or fall the next. And when he does fall, he falls at once without warning, which is also expressed in, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places, thou castedst them down into destruction how are they brought into desolation in as in a moment? Psalm 73, 18 to 19. Number three, another thing implied is that they are liable to fall of themselves, being thrown down by the, the hand of another, as he that stands or walks on slippery grounds needs nothing but his own weight to throw him down. Number four, that the reason why they are at are not fallen already and, not, and do not fall now, is only that God's appointed time is not come. For it is said that when the due time or appointed time comes, their foot shall slide, that they shall be left to fall as they are inclined by their own weight. God will not hold them up in these slippery places any longer, but will let them go. And then at the very instant, they shall fall into destruction. As he that stands on on such slippery, declining ground, on the edge of a pit, he cannot stand alone. When he is is let go, he immediately falls and is lost. The observation from the words that I would now insist upon is this, there is nothing that keeps wicked men at any one moment out of hell, but the mere pleasure of God. But the mere pleasure of God, I mean his sovereign pleasure, his arbitrary will, restrained by no obligation, hindered by no manner of difficulty, any more than if nothing else but God's mere will, had in least degree or in any respect whatsoever, any hand in the preservation of wicked men or in one moment. The truth of this observation may appear by the following considerations. 1. There is no want of power in God to cast wicked men into hell at any moment. Men's hands cannot be strong when God rises up. The strongest have no power to resist him, nor can any deliver out of his hands. He is not only able to cast wicked men into hell, but he can, he can most easily do it. Sometimes an earthly prince meets with a great deal of difficulty to subdue a rebel who has found means to fortify himself, and has made himself strong by the numbers of his followers. But it is not so with God. There is no fortress that is any defense from the power of God. Though hand join in hand, and vast multitudes of God's enemies combine and associate themselves, they are easily broken in pieces. They are as great heaps of light chaff before the whirlwind, or large quantities of dry stubble before devouring flames. We find it easy to tread on and crush a worm that we see crawling on earth. So it is easy for us to cut our singe a slender thread that any hangs by. Thus easy it is for God when he pleases to cast his enemies down to hell. We are what we are, that we should shrink should think to stand before him at whose rebuke the earth trembles and before whom the rocks are thrown down 2 they deserve to be cast into hell so the divine justice never stands in the way it makes no ob- objection against god's using his power at any moment to destroy them ye on the contrary justice calls aloud for an infinite punishment of their sins Divine justice says, "The tree that brings forth such grapes of Sodom, quote "Cut it down, Why cumbereth it in the ground?" Luke 13:7. "The sword of divine justice is every moment brandished over the heads, and it is nothing but the hand of arbitrary mercy and God's mere will that holds it back." There are three. There are already under a sentence of condemnation, condemnation to hell. They do not only justly deserve to be cast down thither, but the sentence of the law of God, that eternal and immutable rule of righteousness that God has fixed upon him and mankind is gone out against and stands against them so that they are bound over already to hell. Quote, He that believeth not is condemned already. John 3.18. So that every uncovered, unconverted man poorly stands to hell—that is his place for the threats he is. John eight twenty three. Ye are the, from beneath, and he, hither he, <clears throat> and thither he is bound. It is the place that justice and God's word and the sentence of the unchangeable law assign to him. Four, they are now the objects of that very same anger and wrath of God that is expressed in the torments of hell. And the reason why they do not go down to hell for each moment is not because God, in whose power they are, is not that the very anger within them, as he is with many miserable creatures now tormented in hell, who there feel and bear the f- fierceness of his wrath. Ye, God is a great deal more angry with great numbers that are now on earth. Yea, doubtless, with many that are now in the congregation, who it may be are at ease, than he is with many of those who are now in the flames of hell. So that it is not because God is unmindful of their wickedness and does not resent it, that he does not let loose his hand and cut them off. God is not altogether such as such an one as themselves though they may imagine him to be so. The wrath of God burns against them. Their damnation does not slumber. The pit is prepared. The fire is made ready. The furnace is now hot, ready to receive them. The flames do not rage and glow. The glittering sword is wet and held over them, and the pit hath opened its mouth under them. 5. The devil stands ready to fall upon and seize them as his own. At what moment God shall permit him? They belong to him. He has their souls in his possession and under his dominion. The scripture represents them as his goods, Luke eleven twelve. The devils watch them, they are ever by them, and at their right hand they stand waiting for them, like greedy, hungry lions that see their prey and expect to have it, but are for the present kept back. If God should withdraw his hand, by which they are restrained, they would in one moment fly upon the poor souls. The old serpent is gasping and gaping for them. Hell opens its mouth wide to receive them, and if God should permit it, they would be hastily swallowed up and lost. 6. There are in the souls of wicked men those hellish principles reigning, that would presently kindle and flame out into hellfire if it were not for God's restraints. There is laid in the very nature of carnal man the foundation of the torments of hell. There are those corrupt principles in reigning power in them and in full possession of them that are seeds of hellfire. These principles are active and powerful, exceeding violent in their nature. And if they were not of... For the restraining hand of God upon them, they would soon break out, they would flame out after the same manner as the same corruptions, the same enmity does in the hearts of the damned souls, and would beget the, that some torments, the same torments as they do in them. The souls of the wicked are in Scripture compared to the troubled sea, Isaiah fifty-seven twenty. For the present, God restrains the wickedness by his mighty power as he does the raging waves of the troubled sea, saying, Here here too shalt thou come, but not further. But if God should withdraw that restraining power, it would soon carry all before it. Sin is the ruin and misery of the soul. It It is destructive in its nature. And if God should leave it without restraint, there would need nothing else to make the soul perfectly miserable. The corruption of the heart of man is immoderate and boundless in its fury. And while wicked men live here, it is like fire pent upon God's restraints. Whereas if it were let loose, it would set on fire course of nature as the heart is now a sink of sin. So if sin was not restrained, it would immediately turn the soul into fiery oven and a, or a furnace of fire and brimstone. 7. It is no security to wicked men for one moment that there are no visible means of death at hand. It is no security to, the, to a natural man that he is now in the health and that, that he does not see which way he would now immediately go out of this world by or, or by any accident." and that there is no visible danger in any respect in his circumstances. The manifold and continual experience of the world in all ages shows that this, there is no evidence that a man is not only the very, at the very brink of eternity and that the next step will not be in, into another world. The unseen, unthought-of ways and means of persons going suddenly out of this world are innumerable and inconceivable. Unconverted men walk over the pit of hell on a, rotten, on a rotten covering, and there are innumerable places in this covering so weak that they will not bear the weight, and these places are not seen. The arrows of death fly unseen by noonday. The sharpest sight cannot discern discern them. God has, no, has so many different unsearchable ways of taking wicked men out of this world and sending them to hell that there is nothing to make it appear that God had need to be at the ex- expense of a miracle or go out of the ordinary course of his providence to destroy any wicked man at any moment. All the means that there are in, of sinners going out of this world are so in God's hands and so universally and a absolutely subject to his power and determination, that it does not depend at all, the less on the mere will of God, where sinner whether sinners shall at any moment go to hell, than if it means we're never made for use of, or at all are at all concerned in the case. Eight, natural men's prudence and care to preserve their own lives or the care of others to preserve them, do not secure them a moment. To this divine providence and universal experience do also bear testimony. There is this clear evidence that men's own wisdom is no security to them from death, that if there were otherwise, we should see some difference between the wise and political men of the world and others with regard to their reliableness to er everything to early and unexpected death. But how is it in fact? He dieth the wise man, even as the fool. Ecclesiastes 2.16 All wicked men's pains and contrivance which they use to escape hell while they continue to reject Christ and so remain wicked men do not secure them from hell one moment. Almost every natural man that hears of hell flatters himself that he shall escape it. He depends upon himself for his own security. He flatters himself in what he does, has not done, in what he, is, what he is now doing, or what he intends to do. Everyone lays out matters of, in his own mind, how he shall avoid damnation, and flatters himself that he contrives well for himself and that his schemes will not fail. They hear indeed that there are but few saved, and they, and that the greater part of men that have died heretofore are gone to hell. But even one imagines that he lays out matters before be better for his own escape than others have done. He does not intend to come to that place of torment. He says within himself that he intends to take effectual care, and to order matters so that for himself as not to fail but the foolish children of men miserably delude themselves in their own schemes and in confidence in their own strength and wisdom they trust nothing but a shadow the greater part of those who heretofore have li- lived under the same means of grace and are now dead and undoubtedly gone to hell and it was not because they were not as wise as those who are now alive, it was not because they did not lay out matters as well as themselves to secure their own escape. If we could speak with them and inquire of them one by one, whether they expected when, uh, expected when alive and when they used to hear about hell ever to be subjects of misery, we doubtless should hear one and, and another reply, quote, no, I never intended to come here. I had laid out matters otherwise in my mind. I thought I should contrive well for myself. I thought my scheme good. I intended to take effectual care, but it came upon me unexpected. I do not look for it at, at the t- I did not look for it at the time. and in that manner, I came out of the, as a thief. Death outwitted me. God's wrath was too quick for me. Oh, my cursed foolishness. I was flattering myself and pleasing myself with vain dreams that I would do here, hereafter. And when I was saying, peace and safety, then sudden destruction came upon me. 10. God has laid himself under no obligation by any promise to keep any natural man out of hell one moment. God certainly has made no promises either of eternal life or or any deliverance or preservation from eternal death, but what are contained in the covenant of grace, the promises that are given in Christ, in whom all the promises of ye and amen. But surely they have no interest in the promises of the covenant of grace who are not the children of the covenant, who do not believe in any of the promises and have no interest in the mediator of the covenant." So that whenever some have imagined and pretended some about promises made to natural men's earnest seeking, and knocking, and knocking, it is a it is plain and manifest that whatever pains a natural man takes in religion, whether prayers he takes till he believes in Christ, God is under no manner of obligation to keep him a moment from eternal destruction. So that thus it is. That natural men are held in the hand of God, over the pit of hell, they are deserved, they have deserved the fiery pit, and are already sentenced to it. And God is dreadfully provoked; his anger is a great, toward, is as great towards them as it is to those that are actually suffering the executions of the fierceness of his wrath in hell. And they have done nothing in the least to appease or abate that anger. Neither is God in the least bound by any promise to hold them up one moment. The devil is waiting for them. Hell is gaping for them. The flames gather and flash about them and would fain lay hold on them and swallow them up. The fire pent up in their own hearts is struggling to break and they have no interest in any mediator. They are, there are no means within reach that can be any security to them. In short, they have no refuge, nothing to take hold of, and that preserves them every moment in that mere arbitrary will and uncovenanted, unobliged unoblig- forbearance of an incensed God. Application the use of this awful subject may be of for awakening unconverted persons to the congregation. This that you ha- have heard in this case of every one of you that are out of Christ. The word, the world of misery that take the, the lake of burning brimstone is extended abroad under you. There is the dreadful pit of the glowing flames of wrath of God. There is hell's wide gaping mouth open and you have nothing to stand upon, nor anything to take hold of. There is nothing between you and hell but the air. It is only the power and mere pleasure of God that holds you up. You probably are not sensible of this. You find you are kept out of hell, but do not see the hand of God in it. But look at other things as the good state of your bodily preservation. But indeed... These things are, not, are nothing. If God should withdraw his hand, they would avail to no more to keep you from falling than the, than the thin air to hold up a person that is suspended in it. Your wickedness makes you as if it were heavy as it led and tend towards the great weight and pressure towards hell. And if God should let you go, you should imme- immediately sink and swiftly descend and plunge into the bottomless gulf. And your healthy constitution and your own care and prudence and best contrivance and all your righteousness would have no more influence to uphold you and keep you out of hell. Then a spider's web would have to stop a falling rock. Were it not for the sovereign pleasure of God, the earth would be, not be, bear you one moment, For you are a burden to it. The creation groans with you. The creator is made subject to the bondage of your corruption. Not willingly. The sun does not willingly shine upon you to give you light to serve you. Serve sin and Satan. The earth does not willingly yield her increase to satisfy your lusts. Nor is it willingly a stage for your wickedness to be acted upon. The air does not willingly serve your serve you for breath to maintain the flame of life in your vitals while you suspend your life in the service of God's enemies. God's creatures are good and were made for men to serve God with and do not willingly subserve to any other purpose and groan when they are abused to to purpose so directly contrary to the nature and end at the world and the world would spew you out were it not for the sovereign hand of him who has subjected it in hope. There are the black clouds of God's wrath now hanging directly over your heads, full of the dreadful storm and big with thunder. And were it not for the restraining hand of God, it would immediately burst forth upon you. The sovereign pleasure of God for the present stays his rough wind. Otherwise it would come with fury and your destruction would come like a whirlwind, and you would be like the chaff of the summer threshing floor. The wrath of God is like great waters that are dammed at the present. They increase more and more and rise higher and higher till an outlet is given, and the longer the stream is stopped, the more rapid and mightily is its course when once it is let loose. It is true that judgment against your evil works has not been executed heretofore. The floods of God's vengeance have been withheld, but your guilt in the meantime is constantly increasing and you are ever and you are every day treasuring up more wrath. The waters are constantly rising and waxing more and more mightily, and there is nothing but the mere pleasure of God that holds the waters back that are unwilling to be stopped and press hard to go forward. If God should only withdraw his hand from the floodgate, it would immediately fly open and the fiery floods of the fierceness and wrath of God would rush forth with inconceivable fury and would come upon you with omnipotent power. And for your strength were 10,000 times greater than it is, ye 10,000 times greater than the strength of the stoutest, sturdiest devil in hell, it would be nothing to withstand or endure it the bow of god's wrath is bent the bow of god's wrath is bent and the arrow made ready on the string and justice bends the arrow to your heart and strains the bow and it is nothing but the mere pleasure of god and that of an angry god without any promise or obligation at all that keeps the arrow one moment from being made drunk with your blood thus all you that never passed under a great change of heart by the mighty power of the Spirit of God upon your souls, all you that were never born again and made new creatures and raised from being dead in sin to a state of new and therefore altogether unexperienced light and life are in the hands of angry God. However, you may be reformed, your life in many however you may have reformed your life in many things and may have had religious affections and you may keep up a form of religion in your families and closets and in the house of god it is nothing but his mere pleasure that keeps you from being this moment swallowed up in everlasting destruction however unconvinced you may now be in this truth of what you hear by and by You will be fully convinced of it those that are gone from being in the in the like of circumstances with you see that see that it was so with them for destruction came suddenly upon most of them and when they expected nothing of it and while they were saying peace and safety now they see that those things on which they depended for peace and safety were nothing but the thin air and empty shadows the God that holds you over the pit of hell, much as one holds a spider or some loathsome insect over the fire adores you and is dreadfully provoked. His wrath towards you burns like a fire. He looks upon you as worthy of nothing else but to be cast into the fire. He is a pure he is of purer eyes than, than to bear to have you in, in his sight. You are ten thousand times more abominable in his eyes than the most hateful venomous serpent is in ours. You have offended him infinitely more than ever a stubborn rebel did in in his prince, and yet it is nothing but his hand that holds you from falling into the fire every, every moment. It is to be ascribed to nothing else that you did not go to hell the last night that you are, were suffered awake again in this world after you closed your eyes to sleep, and there is no other reason to be given why you have not dropped into hell since you arose in the morning, but that God's hand has held you up. There is no other reason to be given why you have not gone to hell since you have sat here in this house of God, provoking his pure eyes by your sinful, wicked manner of attending his solemn worship. Ye, there is nothing else that is to be given as a reason why you do not this very moment drop down into hell. O oh, sinner, consider the fearful danger you are in. It is a, a, it is a great furnace of wrath and a wide and bottomless pit full of the fire of wrath that you are held over the hand of that God. Those who whose wrath is provoked and incensed as much against you as against many of the damned in hell you hang by a slender thread and the flames of divine wrath flashing about it and ready every moment to singe it and burn it asunder and you have no interest in a mediator and nothing to lay hold of to your save yourself nothing to keep off the flames of wrath nothing of your own nothing you have ever b- have done nothing that you can do to induce God to spare you one moment and consider here more practically. One, whose wrath is it? It is the wrath of the infinite God. If it were only the wrath of man, though it were to be most potent prince, it would be comparatively little to be regarded. The wrath of kings is very much dreaded, especially of absolute monarchs who have the possessions and lives of their subjects wholly in, the, in their power to be disposed of at their mere will. Quote, The fear of a king is as the, of the roaring of a lion. Woe so provoketh him to anchor, sinneth against his own soul. Proverbs 22. The subject that very much enrages an arbitrary prince is liable to suffer the most extreme torments that human art can invent or human power can inflict, but the greatest earthly uh, potentates in the greatest majesty and strength, and when the clothed in their greatest terrors, are but feeble, despicable worms of the dust in comparison to the great Almighty, Creator, and King of heaven and earth. It is but little that they can do when most enraged and when they have exerted utmost in their fury, and the kings of earth before God are grasshoppers. They are nothing and and less than nothing, but their love and their hatred to be despised. The wrath of the great king of kings is as much more terrible than theirs, and his majesty is greater. Quote, and I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more than that they can do. But I will forewarn you, whom you shall fear. Fear him, which after he hath killed, hath power to cast into hell ye. I say unto you, fear him. Luke 12, 4-5. It is the fierceness of his wrath that you are exposed to. We often read of the fury of God as in according to their deeds, according to he... Rep- will repay the fury of his adversaries isaiah 5918 so quote for behold the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger f- with fury and he is and his rebuke with flames of fire isaiah 6615 and in many other places so we read quote the wine press of the fierceness and wrath of the almighty God revelations 19. 15. The words are exceedingly terrible. If it had only been said quote "the wrath of God, the words would have implied that which is infinite infinitely dreadful, but it is the fierceness and wrath of God, the fury of God, the fierceness of Jehovah. Oh, how dreadful that must be. How can who can utter and, or conceive that such expressions carry in them? but it is also the fierceness and wrath of almighty god as though there would be a very great manifestation of his almighty power in what his the fierceness of his wrath should inflict as though omnipotence should be as it, as it were enraged and exerted as men are wont to exert their strength in the fierceness of their wrath o oh, then that what will be the consequence, what will become of the poor worm that shall suffer it, whose hands can be strong, and whose heart can endure, to what a dreadful, inexper- inexpressible, inconceivable depth of misery must the poor creature be sunk, who shall be the subject of this. Consider this, you are, that you that are here re- present, that yet remain in un. Regenerate state that God will execute the fierceness of his anger implies that he will inflict wrath without any pity. When God beholds the ineffable extremity of your case and sees your torment to be so vastly disproportioned to your strength and sees how your poor soul is crushed and sinks down, as it were, into the infinite gloom, he will have no compassion upon you and he will not and he, and he will not forbear the ex- executions of his wrath or in the least lighten his hand there shall be no moderation or mercy nor will god then at all stay his rough wind he will have no regard to your welfare nor be at nor be at all careful lest you sh- should suffer too much in in any other sense then only that you shall not suffer beyond what strict justice requires. Nothing shall be withheld because it is so hard for you to bear. Therefore, will I also deal in fury? Mine eye shall not spare, neither will I have pity, and thou... And though I cry in mine ears with a loud voice, yet I will not hear them. Ezekiel eight eighteen. Now God stands ready to pity you. This is a day of mercy. You may cry now with some encouragement of obtaining mercy, but when once the day of mercy is past, your most lamentable and dolorous cries and shrieks will be in vain. You will be wholly lost and thrown away of God as to any regret to your welfare. God will have no other use to put, you, put to you but to suffer misery. You shall be continued in being to no other end for you will be a vessel of wrath fitted to destruction and there will be no other use of this vessel but to be filled full of wrath. God will be so far from pitting you when you cry to him that it is said he will only laugh and mock. Proverbs 1, 25 to 26. How awful are these words, which are those words of the great God. Quote, I will will tread them in in mine anger and I will trample them in my fury and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments and I will stain all my my remnant. Isaiah 63, 3. It is perhaps impossible to conceive of, of words that carry in them greater manifestations of those three things, viz. contempt and hatred and fierceness of indignation. If you cry to God to pity you, he will also be far from you from pitying you in your doleful case, or showing you the least regard or favor, that instead of that he will only tread you underfoot, and though he will now and though he will know that you cannot bear the weight of omnipotence treading upon you yet he will not regard that but he will crush you under his feet without mercy he will crush out your blood and make it fly and it will sh- and it shall be sprinkled on his garments so as to stain all his raiment he will not only hate you but he will have you in the utmost contempt no place shall be thought Fit for you, but under his feet to be trodden down as the mire of the streets. The three, the misery you are exposed to is that which God will inflict to the end, that he might show what the wrath of Jehovah is. God has, hath had it on his heart to show angels and men, both how excellent his love is, and also how terrible his wrath is. Sometimes earthly kings have a mind to show how terrible their wrath is by the extreme punishments they would execute on those they would provoke them. Nebuchadnezzar, the mighty and haughty monarch of Chaldean Empire, was willing to show his wrath when he, when enraged with Shard- Shardrach, Misach, and Abinigo, and accordingly gave orders to the burning fiery furnace, should be heated seven times hotter than it was before. Doubtless, it was raised to the utmost degree of fierceness that human art could raise. But the great God is also willing to show his wrath and magnify his awful majesty and mighty power in the extreme sufferings of his enemies. Quote, What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering, the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, Romans 9.22. And seeing this is, this is his design, and what he has determined, even to show how terrible the unrestrained wrath, the fury and fierceness of Je- Jehovah is, he will do it to effect. There, are, there will be something accomplished and brought to pass that will be dreadful, that will be dreadful with witness. When the great and angry God hath risen up and executed his awful vengeance on the poor sinner and the wretch is actually suffering the infinite weight and power of his indignation, then will God God call upon the whole universe to behold that awful majesty and mighty power That is to be seen in it. Quote, And the people shall be as the burnings of lime, as thorns cut up shall be burnt in the fire. Hear ye that are far off what I have done, and ye that are near acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearlessness hath surprised the hypocrites." Isaiah thirty-two twelve 12-14 Thus it will be with you that are in the uncon- unconvertible state. If you continue in it, the infinite might and majesty and terribleness of the omnipotent God shall be magnified upon you in the ineffable strength of your torments. You shall be tormented in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And when you shall be in the state of suffering, the glorious inhabitants of heaven shall go forth and look on the lawful spectacle, that they may see that the wrath and fierceness of the Almighty is, and when they have seen it, they will fall down and adore the great power and majesty. Quote, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall a flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worms shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be adhorring unto the flesh. Isaiah sixty six twenty three to 24 For, It is everlasting wrath. It would be dreadful to suffer the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God one moment, but you must suffer it to all eternity. There will be no end to this exquisite, horrible misery. When you look forward, you shall see a long forever and boundless duration before you, which you will swallow up in your thoughts and amaze your soul, and you will be absolutely despair of every of ever having any deliverance, any end, any mitigation, any rest at all. You will know certainly that you must wear out long ages, millions of millions of ages, in wrestling and conflicting with this almighty merciless vengeance. And then when you have so done, when so many ages have actually been spent by you in this manner, you will know that it that all is but a point to which remains so that your punishment will indeed be infinite. Oh, who can express what the state of a soul in such circumstances and that we can possibly say about it gives, gives, but a very feeble, faint representation of it. It is inexpressible and inconceivable for who knows the power of God's anger. How dreadful is the state of those that are daily and hourly in danger of this great wrath and infinite misery. But this is a dismal case of every soul in this congregation that has not been born again. However moral and strict and sober, religious and religious they may otherwise be. Oh, that you would consider it, whether to be young or old. There is a reason to think that there may, there are many in this congregation now hearing this discourse that will actually be the subjects of this very misery to all eternity. We know now, we know not who they are or in the what seats they sit or what thoughts they now have. It may be that they are now at ease and hear all of these things without much disturbance And are now flattering themselves that they are not the persons promising themselves that they shall escape. If we knew that there there was one person and but one in the whole congregation that was to be the subject of this misery, what an awful thing would it be to think of. If we knew who it was, what an awful sight would it be to see such a person. What might all the rest of the congregation lift up a lamentable and bitter cry over him? But alas, instead of one, how many is it likely will remain, remember this discourse in hell? And, and it would be a wonder if someone were now present should not be in hell in a very short time, even before this year is out. And it would be no wonder if a person, if some persons that were That now sit here in some seats of this meeting house in health, quiet and secure should be there before tomorrow morning. Those of you that finally continue in a natural condition that shall keep out of hell longest will be there in a little time. Your damnation does not slumber. It will come swiftly and in all possibility and all probability very suddenly upon many of you. You have reason to wonder that you are not already in hell. It is doubtless the case of some whom you have seen and known that never deserved hell more than you and that the and heretofore appeared as likely to have been now alive as you. Their case is past all hope. They are crying in extreme misery and perfect despair. But you are you, but you are in the land of the living and the house of God and have an opportunity to obtain salvation. What would not, What would not those poor, damned, hopeless souls give for one day's opportunity such as you now enjoy? And now you have an extraordinary opportunity, a day wherein Christ has thrown the door of mercy wide open and stands in the calling and crying out, with a loud voice to poor sinners, a day wherein many are flocking to him and pressing into the kingdom of God. Many are daily coming from the east, west, north, and south, many that were very light lately to the same miserable condition that you are in and are now in a happy state with their hearts filled with the love to him who has loved them and has washed them from their sins in their own blood and rejoicing in hope of the glory of the God. How awful is it to be left behind at such a day, to see so many others feasting while you are pining and perishing, to see so many rejoicing and singing for joy of heart while you have come to mourn for sorrow of the heart and howl for vexation of spirit. How can you rest one moment in such a condition? Are you not your souls as precious as the souls of the people at Sufield, where they are flocking from day to day to Christ, are there not many here that have lived long in the world and are not to this day born again, and so are aliens from the uh, from the Commonwealth of Israel, who have done nothing ever since they have lived but treasure up wrath against the day of wrath? O oh, sirs, your case. In, as, in a special manner is extremely dangerous. Your gift and hardness of heart is extremely great. Do you not see how generally persons of your years are passed over and left in the present remarkable and wonderful disp- dispensation of God's mercy? You, had need, you have need to consider yourselves and awake thoroughly out of sleep. You cannot bear the fierceness and wrath of the infinite God. And you, young men and young women, will you neglect the pre- precious season which you now enjoy when so many others of your age are renouncing all your youthful vanities and flocking to Christ? You especially have now an extraordinary opportunity, but if you neglect it, it will soon be with you as, the, as with those persons who spent all the precious days of youth in sin and are now come to such a dreadful pass in blindness and hardness. And you children who are unconverted, do not you know that you are going down to hell to bear the dreadful wrath of God, who is now angry with you and every day and every night, will you not be content to be children of the devil when so many other children in this land are converted and and are become the holy and happy children of the King of Kings? And let every one that is yet out of Christ and hanging over the pit of hell, whether they be old men and women or middle-aged or young people or little children, now hearken to the loud calls of God's word and providence. This acceptable year of the Lord, a day of such great favor to some, will doubtless be a day as remarkable vengeance to others. "'Men's hearts harden and their guilt increases apace "'at such a day as this, if they neglect their souls. "'And never was there such great danger of persons "'being given up to the hardness of heart "'and blindness of mind. "'God seems to know, God seems now "'to be vastly gathering in his elect "'all the parts of the land "'and probably the greater part of adult persons "'that ever shall be saved.' will be brought in now in little time and that it will be as it was on great out, uh, on the great outpouring of the Spirit upon the Jews in, in the apostle days. The election will obtain and the rest will be blinded. If this should be the case with you, you will eternally curse the day and will curse the day that ever you were born to see such a season of the pouring out of God's Spirit and it will wish that you and will wish that you had died and gone to hell before you had seen it seen it now undoubtedly it is as it was in the days of john the baptist the axe is in an extraordinary manner laid at the root of the trees that every tree which brings not forth good fruit may be hewn down and cast into the fire therefore let every one that is out of christ Now awaken and fly to the wrath to come. The wrath of Almighty God is now undoubtedly hanging over a great part of this congregation. Let everyone fly out of Sodom. Haste and escape for your lives. Look not behind you. Escape to the mountain, lest you be condemned. Patriots, that was a sermon written and spoken by Reverend John Jonathan Edwards in July 8th of 1741, the title Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. What is most remarkable about this story and about this sermon is its intensity. We don't get this sort of intensity these days, and yet we should. We are at a cusp where everyone we need to save must be reminded of the consequences of not being saved and reborn in Christ. This is our mission, our duty, our obligation in this fight. We don't have time to waste. We have seen so much drifting away from God, not just in the United States, but all over the world. We don't get this sort of fire and intensity anymore in our pulpits. Very few, that is. And we... And because of that, people have become very laxadaisical on the idea of their obligation to Father God. The idea that Christ sacrificed was sacrificed for our sins gives people almost a false hope, as if they have no obligation further than just to accept Christ and to move on. And I've said many times, I just don't buy that. And I get people always telling me, not true. I've accepted Christ. I'm going to heaven. Okay, take your chances, but we have an obligation here. We have an obligation not only to accept Christ and be reborn in him, but to bring the love of Christ into the world and to make sure that other people understand what that intensity and love is with him and through him. Many people have never in this time known Christ, and the greatest weapon of war we have is to bring more to Christ. To me, that's phenomenal. And if we arrive at that point in such an amazing time, where we are converting others, and leading people away from sin and into the love of Jesus, we are literally under, ripping the underpinnings out of this enemy, and we are reclaiming this name, this land, in the name of our Father. Patriots, let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you this evening for leading me to this amazing sermon for all of us to once again experience the intensity of the pulpit as it was in the beginning of our nation, the sinners in the hands of an angry God. Let us be reminded of the intensity in which we walk, the fierceness of kingdom, both in love and in wrath. And Father, let us be reminded of the obligations that we have in this process to you, that it's not just a casual relationship, but it's an intensity of walking in life in such a way, constantly seeking a deeper and more personal relationship with you, constantly seeking a more devout and fulfilling life within you, living a life where our life lives through you in a constant state of prayer and dialogue, not simply a casual conversation once a week or once every Sunday. Father, let us rise up with the intensity of fire to pursue you in such an amazing way, to acknowledge you for truly the father of all, to humble ourselves before our King Jesus, to appreciate all that he has done in the sacrifices of his life to bring us to this point and all that that means on our behalf, not just to sit and wait, but to be active in this world, to literally occupy and expand and ultimately regain sovereignty over this land. We were given dominion. Let us live into that path. Guide us with these things. Open our hearts to the reality of what that means. Give us the tools and the words as needed to raise and wield the sword of the Spirit in a mighty way and to bring the many that are drifting back to their love in Jesus. Thank you, Father. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Patriots, we have an amazing path ahead of us and a path in which we all have an opportunity to be part of a significant victory over the enemy. Our greatest power that we wield is the sword of the spirit, though I always say never take your sword of steel off your hip. This enemy is evil. It will not stop, but it has no chance against the almighty God. We have to embrace that and understand that and never doubt that. And we must convey that to others, not just in ourselves, but to the others around us. That those that are tiring and waning in this fight, feeling that, oh, the mountain is too high to climb, fire them up with the love of Jesus. Get them to stand up on their feet. Start carrying their pack and start climbing. Quitting is not an option. And the more that we have people doing just that, the more that we shall overcome this enemy and crush him it decisively. We are children of the one God, the true God, the God of miracles, the God of hosts. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this, we are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Crush the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
1: Oh, I want to feel someday. I just wanna breathe again. Dive into.